This is Hemant. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Give us everything you have. That's how this works. <laughs> uh, this leave turned reviews. into a hostage situation really quickly. How huh? I roll now. <laughs> uh, how are you? Uh, I'm okay. I like way how we don't even say hi. We just, I'm in your house and I just go to the mic and now we're good. Yeah, th- today was weird because you came in like as I was going out to walk the dog. So we haven't <laughs> even talked yet. Um, I'm good. It's hi. not freezing out. Not yet. And it's Friday. It is. And I'm just ready for this. You know what's weird? As I'm compiling stories to talk about, I'm like, most of these are like ginormous stories. But isn't that the story of the last like three years? It feels like any one story should be the biggest story of the year. Yes. And they're all like ridiculously insane big stories. Do we have anything about Cohen? Like, I don't even know if that's because that's not relevant to anything. But that was wild. I was in a. I was in a communications training seminar all day <laughs> um, on whatever, Wednesday when that was happening. You and missed I, out on some stuff. Uh, I, I watched like all of the MSNBC <laughs> shows just to try to get a, get a highlight. And I just kept getting push notifications. I was like, I got to pay attention to this yeah. stupid seminar. You didn't. You, you, you saw My the communications sc- style is driver. <laughs> so that was much more important. Nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, let's oh, dig so in. Let's talk. Pen? Ah, you'll find one. Okay. Um, there is a story. So here's the biggest one for me. Yeah. Uh, the Supreme Court heard a case this week about a giant Christian cross. And this could upend the way we deal with church-state separation in this country. Okay. And if you need a reminder of this case, this is the case involving a giant, like, 40-foot-tall Christian cross in the middle of an intersection in Maryland. It's like a roundabout, right, or something? Yeah, it's kind of like a roundabout, but it's maintained by the local government. Like, they've paid more than $100,000 into maintaining this thing. Mm -hmm. It is just, you look at it, and you're like, that's just a giant Jesus cross. Right. Um, and of course, the argument from the government side is no, it's a World War One memorial. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you go right up next to it, you would see the people's names etched in the bottom. Mm-hmm. If you were driving around it, you would never know that. Right. And they're like, no, it's just in the shape of a cross. <laughs> it's a war memorial <laughs> that just such a that's it's not that's a cross. It's just a thing in the shape of a cross. Is, I'm not joking. Idiots. That's their argument. Uh-huh. They're saying, look, it's just a symbol of like war death. Shit. And to commemorate them, it has nothing to do with promoting Jesus mm-hmm. or anything like it. And the argument is, look, any reasonable person looking at this from a distance would be like, yeah, you're promoting Jesus. And the argument is, if you don't call that mm-hmm. a promotion of Christianity, that is, is going <laughs> to open the door to pretty much all these different groups, government organizations. Imagine, you know, local communities run by conservatives. Mm-hmm. They're all going to suddenly say, oh, yeah, we want to put up a war memorial, too. Sure. I mean, do you think people have been holding back that much? I feel I like they're pretty is, fast and loose. This with... has always been one of those, like, yeah, that's, I mean, 10 command, oh, like putting in God we trust signs in the schools. We know we can get away with that, so let's do it. Right. Giant cross on government property. Uh, we can't get away with that, so let's not do it. Sure. Even Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. which they'll make a secular argument for why we should put it in front of a courthouse. Mm-hmm. But like all the courts have said, no, that's religious. Come on, what are you doing? Guys. If they let this thing slide, that would be a disaster. Now, uh, so the American Humanist Association uh, and their attorney, Monica Miller, uh-huh. did a fine. They did a really good job of defending this thing. Um, as good as I would have expected them to do. Mm-hmm. The question is, what are the justices going to do with that? And what it sounds like they want to do, and this is the 
very pragmatic, let's not rock the boat too much, John Roberts sort of court right now, uh-huh. which is, look, you're going to cause chaos if you say, you know what, everything's okay if it looks like this. You're going to slippery huh. slope your way out of church-state separation, tear down the wall of separation, whatever. Right. It very much seemed like they wanted to figure out a way to say, let this cross stand, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean it's okay for the rest of you all to do it. Okay. That's kind of the very narrow way their questions seem to be pointing to say, look, in this case, it's been around for decades and decades. Right. Um, there are some reasons we could argue that they could say, no, it's not really promoting Christianity, even though it totally is. Right. But that's kind of how we could split the hairs here. Now, the American Humanist Association was saying, look, just move it to private land. It's not a big deal. Uh You get to keep the cross. It needs to be, like, maintained anyway. Uh This thing is falling apart. Oh, really? Yeah. And so they're saying, put it to private land. Let them take care of it. Mm -hmm. Because we don't want to destroy this monument. That's not what we're here to do. Right. And Which I'm sure people on the right commenting on it are skating over that particular part. They probably (laughs) think we want to, like, burn it down. Yeah, you want to tear down their argument. And this is honestly what some of the right-wing sides were saying. Mm -hmm. is like, you want to go to, like, Arlington National Cemetery and tear down crosses off of tombstones. Stones. It's like, no, those are personal private things. They no, got a choice. I personally am going to go into Arlington Cemetery with a sledgehammer. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So the argument is just, just move it to private property. Right. You could do it nearby. There's a place to do it. Mm-hmm. And this would not be an issue. <clears throat> that is an option on the table. Justices, I mean, the conservative justice probably aren't going to want to do that. So the way they could do this is say, look, we'll let this one stay. But in other cases... It doesn't mean you could just put up a war memorial in the shape of a cross and get away with it. That's kind of the best you might be able to hope for right Mm -hmm. now with this Supreme Court. Um, So is this a similar ruling to what we saw with the cake maker? So the cake maker guy, they said, you know what? You want us to say that all Christian bakers should be allowed to discriminate against Mm -hmm. gay customers who Mm -hmm. are having a wedding, blah, blah, blah. And they said, look, in your case, we'll say you were right to do what you did because of a technicality. Uh Uh-huh. So we're not actually ruling on the issue. And that, oh. for the for liberals, it's like, fine, we'll take it, but you've kind of skirted across the whole issue. Mm-hmm. You still got to decide it. Right. And they're, they're fighting their way back to the court right mm-hmm. now. Um, in this case, I don't think they're going to avoid it. I don't think they could argue the plaintiffs don't have standing to bring about this case, yeah. which they talked about during the oral arguments, which is like, come on, are they really offended by this thing? And Monica Miller was like, they're citizens who are not Christians and they see this cross. Mm-hmm. It's a reminder that they're not really treated equally in right. the eyes of the government. Right. If they don't have standing, who does? Right. So I don't think they're going to get away with saying, no, you guys can't bring forth this case. We're not arguing this. So we're not going to judge it on the merits. Yeah. We're just going to toss it aside. Who cares? I wonder if it would make a difference. I don't if... think they're going to do that. Right. I, I think they'll judge it one way or the other. I, I wonder if it would make a difference if it was like a Vietnam War Memorial wherein there's actual space there's still living veterans from that war. Like, would that be different? Like, yeah, I'm an atheist or I'm Buddhist or whatever. So one of the questions that came up is all the names that are etched onto here, we don't actually know they're all Christian. Mm -hmm. And some most, I mean, no, they're all past, I believe. Um, You said it's World War I, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're all past. But the question is like, but we actually don't know what the religious beliefs are of everybody. It was just kind of assumed they would all be cool with the giant cross (laughs) memorial And uh, one of the things uh, Miller pointed out is, like, we don't know if they're all Christian. I don't know that they're not. Right. It's not like there were, like, three Muslims in the mix. Sure. Like, no. Uh, And you're right. In Vietnam, or they did in Iraq 
Iraq War Memorial or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd find a more diverse group of people. It'd be much harder to say mm-hmm. it's only representing Christians or anything like that. Yeah. In this case, you can't really say they would oppose it. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Mm-hmm. But also, this memorial has been known as a Christian monument. They do prayer services at its feet. Like, everyone knows it's a Christian monument. The only question is, can Christians lie enough to say, "Eh, it's not really Christian? And also, a thing to consider is, and this is one of the things the American Humanist Association pointed out, or their side pointed out, if you say this is okay, and you say, yeah, it's a cross, Mm -hmm. but it, it doesn't represent Christianity. It's just a war memorial in the shape of a cross. If you use that argument, you're basically saying, hey, Christians, you know the most important symbol in your religion Eh, no one cares really about Jesus. Anything. Doesn't mean anything about Jesus. Yeah. And that would be offensive. One one of the briefs in support of the American Human Association said that's offensive to us as yeah. Christians. Like, no, that's a Christian symbol. That means a lot to us as Christians. Right. So don't say it's not really a Christian symbol. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Like, let's rule it based on that. So anyway. Uh, again, it the oral argument audio is available online now. The transcripts are out there. Uh, again, I thought Miller did a really good job. Mm-hmm. What does that mean coming <laughs> from me? I don't think it means anything coming from me. But um, I did like the fact that if you look through the transcript, she made a lot of good points, which is saying that Miller, this is stuff she said, it is telling Christians that the more most preeminent and sacred symbol of Jesus Christ actually, in fact, also symbolizes atheism somehow. Oh. That is a thing she said in the court. Cool. She said, um, why... Do the people who are plaintiffs, why do they have standing to sue over this? She said, we are talking about the government being the speaker and essentially giving you the message as the non-Christian in your community that you are the lesser citizen. Mm -hmm. That's not right. Mm -hmm. Um, She said, if you take this down, one of the arguments from the other side is, if you take this down, all these other war memorials have to come down. And she was very clear to say, like of the 50 to 60 crosses they cited, mm-hmm. a bunch of them are on private land. We're mm-hmm. not going to touch those. Right. A bunch of them aren't even like, she said, uh, the few that they cite are actually on private land. One has Jesus Christ written on it. <laughs> at the, and it was put up at the same time as this one. Uh-huh. So like, come on, it's the same thing. Guys. Um, like these are your best examples here. Um, and by the way, she added, there's no history whatsoever of anyone using Latin crosses, these mm-hmm. crosses, to honor Jews, Muslims, or atheists. Yeah. Um, so uh, what else did she get in there? This is 100% the government speech. This was a big one. One of the arguments someone made is like, no one's spoken up about the problem with this cross in many, many decades. I'm going to quote what she said to the justices. There are a lot of reasons why religious minorities in Christian-dominated societies would not feel safe challenging an actively used war memorial, because they still hold functions at it, Mm -hmm. that is the town's most prominent symbol. You know, my clients have been threatened. I've received death threats, and I bet you it was not safer 90 years ago than it is today. Wow. Hopefully they hear all that. And they also asked her, like, uh, what if you would just put up like a different symbol in honor of like the war dead? She said, if the government decided to put up a giant happy humanist symbol, like the H, uh-huh. like that's our, like it's the man with tiny hands. If they decided to replace the cross with the happy humanist 40 feet tall and they said, this is the humanist monument. I think that would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like this is not <laughs> I a, I go want over this. Super well. I also like how she got little hands into an oral argument. Well played. <laughs> Um, 
So anyway, uh, the uh, opinion won't come out until the summer, but this is a big deal because depending on how they rule and how they decide this case, it it seemed very clearly this cross is probably going to stay up where it is, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean, but they have a choice of to, do we demolish church state separation? Do we Mm -hmm. just let this one slide? That's going to be a big deal afterwards. So uh, we'll find out in a few months, but. Well, cool. It, it was kind of neat to to hear now and to watch and read the transcript of someone you know and someone you uh, have that much respect for. It's like, wow, she's speaking in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah, that that's badass. really cool. That's kind of cool. So um, I good luck to her. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about... <laughs> here's the other big story this week. The My Pillow guy. He's a thing now. My pillow guy. You've seen these infomercials. Yeah, at I night. have. What did he do? The guy who pops up in random people's bedrooms. He's like, "You're not having this whatever good night's sleep. Try one of my pillows. It's the most comfortable pillow you'll ever." I feel ever. like anytime I've seen a my pillow, I might be equated <laughs> with something else, but it feels like it's just like stuffed with like cotton balls or like packing peanuts or something like that. Like it's granular, and I don't like it. Yeah. I could be thinking of the wrong so thing. Mike Doesn't Lindell matter. is the guy in those commercials. Cool, cool, cool. If you ever watch closely, he was, he's always wearing a Christian cross necklace mm-hmm. too. He's actually... Um, it's not a Christian <coughs> cross. It's yeah, just a T. <coughs> it's just a T. <coughs> he is like a super Trump, pro-Trump conservative. Cool. So he's speaking at the CPAC uh, conference, <laughs> the conservative... <laughs> They invited him cool to speak. Conservatives. Uh-huh. Really, you really got the cool, big celebrities. Really yeah. cool celebrity pool you have to pull from. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> it's like Diamond and Silk and the My Pillow guy. Uh, here's what he says. He said Donald Trump invited me to meet him at Trump Tower in New York City. I walked out of that office after meeting with him, and I knew God had chosen him for such a time as this. I stand before you today. As I stand before you today, I see the greatest president in history. Of course he is. He was chosen by God. Yeah. Says the MyPillow guy (laughs) who had to pay out a million dollars for false advertising a couple of years ago. Ooh, what did he false advertise? What did Um, did he say his pillow did? Makes you straight. Mm. So I didn't realize that was like, I've known this guy as a Christian, but it's one of those like, you wouldn't know it if you just see the commercials. But how is he the major player now? It's because they don't have anybody else. <laughs> like seriously, any other person who would speak for them is literally like the Koch brothers and their PR isn't strong right now. Like yeah. at least the My Pillow guy <laughs> is an entrepreneur. Oh, yeah, that's sure. nuts. That's not a strong showing, <laughs> CPAC. And by the way, like the... Uh, and can you imagine if the Democrats pulled in somebody like the My Pillow guy? They would be ridiculed. <laughs> and rightly Here's so. flow from progressive making the case for why you should vote for Bernie. Okay, she's actually pretty funny, <laughs> so she's a comedian. And by the way, that's like the, you know, the Cars for Kids commercial one with those kids. Yeah, that's the one. So if you give kids. money to them or you donate your car to them, uh-huh. that money goes to like a very orthodox jewish church really uh-huh if you read the fine print on one of those commercials or you find it online it says this like it's it's this group and it's like a very orthodox jewish group it goes there well, but yeah the worst commercials of all time and i but think it's weird it. that they use k for cars <laughs> it makes me deeply so, uncomfortable yeah. do you want to talk huh. about george pell because he's a yeah. thing yeah do it well Cardinal Pell has been found guilty, and he is set to be jailed, which he means is highest ranking. highest ranking Catholic ever to be convicted of ab- abuse in general or child, yeah, child rape. It's child rape. And by the way, they convicted him 
uh, the judge found him guilty in December, but in Australia they have these rules like we're not done with this case yeah. yet, so you can't report it. And like there was one newspaper that said censored some big person in the Catholic Church got wink. a conviction, wink, wink, but we can't tell you details, wink. but the details leaked, of course. So now it, they lifted the gag order. This yeah. is why we know he's been found guilty. Yeah, he was the Vatican treasurer. Treasurer, He's close to the Pope. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. Um, this all happened 22 years ago. Um, he abused two 13-year-old boys. Um, and he was also managing the church's response to why, <laughs> widespread child abuse by priests through the, quote, Melbourne response, mm-hmm. which he designed, which is another That's example of... Yeah. That's the guy whose who's policies we should be following. Yeah. So um, one of his victims who has requested pi- privacy, is namel- or we, he's nameless, said, quote, like many survivors, I've experienced shame, loneliness, depression, and struggle. Like many survivors, it's taken me years to understand the impact upon my life. At some point, we realized we trusted somebody who... who Trusted somebody we should have feared, and we fear those genuine relationships that we should trust. So let's not forget that the guy. I mean, don't lose the victims and all this. I'm over the moon that this guy's getting going to jail because yeah. his sentencing is, I believe, finally. next week. Yeah. Uh, by the way, his lawyer during so after he's been found guilty, they have the sentencing hearing. Like, how long should we put this guy away for? And the lawyer's trying to make that as low as possible, right. which you'd expect. Yeah, but the job. argument that Robert Richter, who's Uh Pell's lawyer, used. And I'm quoting this. He said, this incident was, quote, no more than a plain vanilla sexual penetration case where the child is not actively participating. This isn't child rape. That's a lot of words to to say rape. This isn't rape. It was just a plain vanilla penetration case. In which the the child wasn't even participating. Because he didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Wasn't participating. That's the words he used. And then he made it worse. He said, Don't punish this guy as if he's some big Catholic honcho. Because he's just your everyday child rapist and treat him. That was the argument. They said mass had ended that day. And the lawyer said this uh, the only differential of power is that he's an adult with an with for reasons inexplicable with an urge to do what he did. He's not abusing his position as archbishop. He's abusing his position as a grown man. No, he's not. That's a bullshit thing to say. So like Jesus. Don't. And wait, it, there was one more. Oh god. He said, "Listen, let me tell you about this kid's child rape." Uh Richter said about Pell, he exerted quote no force greater than what was required to achieve penetration. Fuck! Yeah. What? He said there was no physical injuries, no ejaculation, no recording of the offenses, and he didn't commit it while on bail or parole. So cut the child rapist some slack. This oh is the guy's God. lawyer. God. Like, I kn- okay, I understand that everybody deserves a defense in the court of law, but... Yikes! But making dude. the case that that's, look, my client just committed plain gross. vanilla child rape, not rape, rape child, like just plain vanilla, unpenetrative Ugh. rape, and the kid didn't even like it. Whatever, it's Fuck, horrible. Man. So, that's really by the rough. way, the lawyer did apologize for saying plain vanilla. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. that's the one thing that he that, got called on. But that's well. it. He didn't apologize for the rest of it. Didn't apologize for the. He's just a dude. He's not an archbishop. <sighs> he was off the clock when he raped the kid. 
Like that was the argument. Like that's somebody with such a lack of understanding of how yeah. power dynamics work. It's almost March thirteenth. That's when the sentencing will come down. Oh, so that's a couple weeks soon. Uh, there is another story out of Missouri. This is this is another one of those. This should be a huge deal, mm-hmm. and it's kind of under the radar given everything else going on. But get this: there is. Uh, a Missouri state representative, his name is Hardy Billington. No, that's not a real name. That's yeah, a real name. Republican Baptist, of course. Uh, he said when he was running for office, his goal is to stand up for Christian values. And here's the bill that this guy sponsored. This is like insidious stuff. He says, okay, here's the background you need to know. Okay. There have been some cases in which, let's say, a kid in a school sees a violation of church-state separation. Mm -hmm. Let's say, for example, the teacher is preaching in the classroom. It's totally illegal. It can't happen. Maybe they try to get it to stop politely. It doesn't Mm -hmm. happen. A letter is sent, like, stop it. It doesn't happen. Then they file a lawsuit. And sometimes, look, if if you're in a place where a teacher thinks they can get away with that you're probably in a pretty conservative area. Which means if your name is attached to that lawsuit publicly, imagine what's going to happen to the kid. Yeah. Imagine what's going to happen to the family, like ostracized, Mm -hmm. harassed, Mm -hmm. worse. So a lot of times in these lawsuits, the plaintiffs will say, look, you got to keep us anonymous. Mm -hmm. Call us Jane Doe. Call us by the initials. But you can't publicize this because we know our lawsuit's going to go on the public record. People Mm -hmm. will know about this. Right. Um, but don't use our names. We'll show up in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. You can know who we are behind mm-hmm. closed doors. Mm-hmm. The other side can know who we are behind closed doors. But for the public, don't do that. Right. Use the anonymity, mm-hmm. right? And that makes sense. Here's the lawsuit that Hardy Billington wants to do. And I'm reading this. This is what he wants to add to Missouri law. Um, it has to do with um, if you file a lawsuit, every action shall be prosecuted. Uh, blah, okay, I'll just cut to the chase. He <laughs> said, in any action involving the separation of church and state, mm-hmm. that is the line in the, the new bill that he's doing, unless it's a minor, if it involves church-state separation, you have to use your real name in the lawsuit. Does that apply to... I mean, Everybody does... in Missouri who f- sues over a church-state separation <laughs> case has to use their real name, full name. Okay, I have thoughts and questions. Yes. Thoughts are like, this is very obvious bullying. Like, that's he, very, he very, very clear on space. Second, do, is there anything similar like this? In no other state do they have any rule like this. But it, say within Missouri, is there, if it's like, oh, it's, if it's a personal injury, you have to lo- use your real name. Like, as d- far is, as I can tell. Or is this tell, a completely unique bullshit thing? I think it's completely unique bullshit. Um, that, <sighs> you know, it's one of these things that it's singling out people who bring forth church-state separation cases as if they're an exception That's to the really, rule. And his argument, really I believe, nefarious. if I'm being generous to him, his argument is that there are too many frivolous lawsuits, and this is a way to cut down on them. Of course, the church state separation cases we ever see are never frivolous. Right. This is not the sort of thing you randomly sue people for for shits and giggles. Jesus. Um, now, there was a public hearing on the bill. This is Missouri. This is a state that is overwhelmingly Republican. Mm-hmm. But one of the people who spoke against this bill... Uh, was Eric Wells, who's the Missouri Assistant State Director for American Atheists. And one of the things he said, and I'm quoting here, uh, HB 728, this bill, would put plaintiffs who stand up for their freedom of religion at risk Mm -hmm. by preventing them from bringing these cases anonymously. It would treat these plaintiffs differently than other litigants who may want to bring 
under cases under a pseudonym. Everyone should be able to go to court to protect their religious freedom. No one should be subject to public harassment and death threats. Feels he, very reasonable. Right? It seems reasonable. And he said actively promoting this harassing behavior is not only shameful, it is unconstitutional, and it is un-American. One of the other people who also uh, spoke out in against this bill was Ryan Jane, who's an attorney with the Freedom from Religion Foundation. Mm-hmm. And his he was making the same argument, but basically this bill arms bullies with a weapon they can turn against victims. He said this bill would strip this protective power away from judges because judges can say, you know what? I know you're going to get harassed over this. Mm-hmm. So I'm the one who says you can use an anonymous name, pseudonym, whatever. Interesting. This bill would take that power away from those judges. And uh, Ryan Jane said, taking this deference away from judges is wrong and dangerous. It would replace judicial deference with an inflexible rule that puts real people in danger. He said this bill is a solution in search of a problem. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Do you have any numbers of how many church-state separation cases cases? use these pseudonyms? No, 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 no. How many are in Missouri? And is is there any uh, data that he is leaning on? Or is this... That the representative is leaning Uh on? No. I don't remember him citing any numbers to justify they're all frivolous or whatever. I think that's just a Christian talking point. Um, By the way, one of the people who spoke in support of the bill that same day, his name is Don Hinkle of the Missouri Baptist Convention. And here's the thing he joked. He implied that all the atheists who say there's these threats against us, they're all bullshitting it. They're all making up these threats as if they're all hoaxes. And he said, and I'm quoting... Do they really think people of faith in Missouri are violent people? Yep. Yeah. Sure are. Yeah. Who, who do you think is in jails? Yeah. It's, <laughs> they're not full of atheists. Like it's religious so people. I'm not. It's not a single thing. I'm not saying that guy's violent. Mm-hmm. I'm saying yeah, violent people can be religious. Right. And yeah, these atheists do get threats. They don't make them up. You could take screenshots of like any public. Facebook posting about atheism. Right. You're going to find some nasty stuff. Yeah, that's... <laughs> it's so, so it's so weird how they just shut their minds off to entire dude. sections of humanity. It's if fucking you, wild. If you live in Missouri, contact your people, tell them to vote against this bill. It's not out of committee yet, mm-hmm. but it very well could be given the party line numbers. Mm-hmm. And it could pass given party line numbers. I don't know if it's going to be, but you can't sue over it until it passes. Okay. So like, but we shouldn't have to wait for that. Right. Sensible politicians should just say, yeah, this is wrong. Stupid. Let's just put a stop to it before we're sued. Right. But appalling that that's even a thing anyone's considering. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that was infuriating. Ugh, that's bad. That that's is, really bad. Seriously. It was really awful. Ugh. Um... So let's talk about the Methodist Church. Let's. That's another big one. Huge story. So do you know much about the Methodist Church? Look, it's the second or third. I've heard both. Second or third largest Protestant denomination. Mm -hmm. This is one where they don't, like, they do have leadership. But when it comes to homosexuality, whether you can uh, perform a a gay marriage, Mm -hmm. whether you can have gay bishops in the church it's kind of been like yeah if you want to do it do it we might be upset we're not going to like kick you out or anything and now they're voting on how should we handle this issue moving forward Mm -hmm. and they were saying one option is we're all under the same umbrella as united methodists and one plan was no if you can't perform same-sex marriages 
we do oppose homosexuality and, and right. LGBTQ rights and stuff like that. There was another option that said, let's just leave it as is in the sense that <clears throat> if people want to do it in their churches or their communities are cool with it, let them ordain gay priests. Let them have, uh, let them do gay marriages, weddings at their churches, stuff like that. Yeah. They rejected that plan this right. week. Right. So, so what it was, was there are two plans, like you said. The one church plan, it was designed to keep the denomination together because this, this rift, this disagreement on how to treat gay rights is a huge, huge chasm right now. Right. And so this like one... Like the entire huge denomination could split, could split over this. So the one church plan was designed to keep the denoni- denomination together and kind of, it's sort of like throwing it down to the states. Like you get to t- make decisions about your particular church. And, and it's, I, by it's the way, I've mentioned this. I went to St. Louis not too long ago to speak at a Methodist church. Mm-hmm. The pastor there was one who was very much in support of mm-hmm. LGBTQ rights. Before our event happened, I was part of, I took part in a youth group gathering mm-hmm. where like the first thing they had us do is go around, say our names and tell us your pronouns oh, at the nice. church, at the church. So like there's a church that is under that same umbrella they're totally fine mm-hmm. with LGBTQ rights. They're actively in support of them. Mm-hmm. And not just the guy at the top, right. but it seemed like this is a general, when you were part of our church... They've built a culture yeah, around it. We are cool with it. And yet these are the people that the United Methodists say, your church cannot be part of our denomination. Yes. That's an we option don't on the table. You. So yeah, so this uh, traditional plan, which is what ended up getting voted, uh, getting passed, um, it affirms that the dom- denomination is anti-gay. Um, and so it's it's really unclear as to what is going to happen. It seems all po- all signs seem to be pointing to just the church splitting. Because I don't think I wrote this down, but they haven't been a unified thing. For- it's been kind of like... Uh- like the Bernie and Hillary parties, like under the same umbrella. Like these are two very different groups of people, but yeah. they've happily, well, Co- force, they've coexisted. Right. And now basically the top down has said, nope, you're going to have to stick with, if you're, if you're a Methodist as part of our church, you're following our rules. It's right. kind of like the Catholic church too. Like there are plenty of Catholics who say, I'm fine with gay marriage. Mm-hmm. There's no problem with it. If two people want to get married, doesn't bother me one bit. Yeah, but the Catholic Church officially says, you know, homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. The church won't allow you to perform a a same-sex wedding or anything like that. And this is the route, like, the Methodists have learned nothing Mm -hmm. from that. Catholic churches, like, the membership, it's going down, and they've learned nothing from that. Effectively, they're just telling young people, get the hell out of our church. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be here. Which is a really good way to sustain a population. They're they're voted on their own extinction. It's stupid. Yeah, so so there's a couple interesting things that are happening here. One is that already, even before this vote happened, um, a lawyer in Michigan, his name is Daniel Dalton, he specializes specializes in religious property issues, and he said he's had he's talked to more than seven hundred churches that are already thinking about making an exit. And that's before this vote happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's interesting. The other thing is that I didn't I don't profess no, to know a ton about the Methodist Church, but in in the U.S. Um, the church is roughly divided evenly between liberal people and and tradition more traditional people, um, but it's growing in places like the Philippines um, and countries in Africa 
and right. there it's extremely anti-gay. Right, so, and that's because this is a global church, right. and that's where the push for keeping the rules traditional and anti-gay were really coming from. Right, it's like these other growing churches in other parts of the world yeah. saying, "No, we don't want anything to do. We think gay people have cooties. You mm-hmm. got to kick them out." Sure and you do. have a lot of the American ones saying this is going to be bad for our faith mm-hmm. if you're telling these people to get out. Mm-hmm. But they were outnumbered. Yeah. So it's just, I it's amazing to watch an entire religion self-destruct like that. And we've been and, watching it happen in the Catholic Church and for they, a while. And they've seen it. Yeah. And they've done jack about it. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, which just seems appalling. Like, you could have prevented this, and yet you didn't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's appalling, but... Like, part of me is like, good, let them... Because people are going to leave the Methodist church, and maybe they'll just leave religion altogether. At the same time, it's like, you're basically taking a lot of people and saying who have dedicated their lives to this faith and this belief system. And, yeah, I don't care about their beliefs, but their values are really good. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, you don't matter to us anymore. Which, why? Why would you do that? Yeah, it's not a great look. Um, Um, It's it's like, to me, it seemed like Brexit. Like, you didn't even have to do it. But you did it, and then you voted for the worst option, and like the people who yeah. saw this coming are like, we know it was going to be this bad. That's why we voted against it. And meanwhile, you have these people who are like, nope, sounds good to me. I'll vote for it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, am going to self-destruct after this? I can't believe this. Yeah. Like, I, dude, I, I, everyone sees it coming. What are you doing? That's uh, wild. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see sort of the... Uh, the fallout of that. Yeah. There, um, there is a New York Times article this Sunday. It'll be in the New York Times magazine. It was a re- it's a really big article. Uh, he, uh, it's been researched. It's, it's lengthy. But it's all about uh, a skeptic named Susan Gerbic, who I know, and she's fantastic. And she runs a group of people that she calls the guerrilla skeptics. Like, they're okay. the insurrection sort of things. But, like, a couple of things they've done, I think we've talked about this. One of the things they do is they update Wikipedia articles. <laughs> and her philosophy here is just, if you're searching for, like, who is this psychic I see on E! Entertainment Television, you're probably going to go to Wikipedia first, and we want to make sure you get an accurate yeah. portrayal of this guy. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to know about some famous atheist or a skeptic, you're probably going to learn about him on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. So they update those pages. They're not biased about them. They follow the rules. But they're like, we want to make sure you're getting good information about these people, (laughs) objective information when you see it. Mm -hmm. And so they've been doing that. But one of the other things she does is she really hates those psychic mediums, the people who are like, I can, you're, you have someone who died whose name begins with, I don't know what. P-R. Hey, look, my face lit up, so it must be an R, right. (laughs) And then I'm going to just use that. And we can talk about hot reading and cold readings and all that. But here's the interesting thing. One of the experiments that they talk about in this article and which she recently posted about, get this, they wanted, there's a thing called cold reading, Mm -hmm. which is like, I'm just going to yell out some stuff and see how you react to it. Like uh, someone died that's close to you. (gasps) Oh my God, somebody (gasps) did die. Their name starts with like an M or a Q or a P. P, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm so good at this. That's a, that's the cold reading, right? Uh So I don't know anything, but based on your you guys, reactions... You it was me, Jessica. I wasn't a real, oh, a real hey, customer of heavens. I'm an actor. <laughs> <laughs> you could play this game, and just based on their reactions, you go along with it. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, your child, your child died. Oh, my God. Maybe, why would a child die? It's either some medical awfulness mm-hmm. or probably some horrific accident. Mm-hmm. And you could kind of work your way to it. And the people who are victims who are like, 
you have a way to connect with my child? Yeah, they're exploiting. You're people totally exploiting those grieving. people. Okay, the other side of this is the hot reading where you're you do know something mm-hmm. about the person you're talking to, but you didn't tell us about it. Yeah, and so like I how think do Peter Popoff is probably the most right? famous case. Like of someone that. was feeding him lines. His wife was feeding him because lines into his earpiece. Like this person you're talking to lives in this city. Y'all, oh, do you live in this city? Oh my God, how did you know that? The Peter Popoff getting busted video is genuinely one of my favorite pieces of media oh, that's you too, ever James happened. Randy, it's beautiful. Oh my, yeah, watch the the documentary. I'm an honest liar in general, but specifically for that, it's his wife. This is a sidebar. But like, because people would fill out prayer cards when they come in, like, oh, it's me, Jessica. I'm, trying to uh, I'm from Aurora. <laughs> um, I'm here because my back has been hurting lately, and I'm hoping he can help me. And Jessica, then, does your back hurt? What? How did you know, know that? There you go. So these are the hot readings where it's like you know something about the person you're talking to, but they don't know that you know. Yeah. Or you that can Google sort of people. Like, yeah. So here's what Susan did. This is ingenious. She wanted to show. That like some one of these psychic mediums, she wanted to show that they Googled me first, hmm. but also she didn't want to give anything away in her face. And also she didn't want to know what you could Google about her so that she could it was a double blind experiment. Okay. She wanted that she wanted to prove that they looked this stuff up, but also that she didn't know what they found out about her. Okay. So here's what she did. It's Susan and her friend Mark. And they got their skeptics together and they said, if you're taking part in this experiment, here's what we need you to do. We'll tell you our aliases. We need you to form this public Facebook group and then start, start filling it up. Like, talk about things. Talk to each other. Okay. And at some point, you, we could point to us. These are fake Facebook pages. And say, like, oh, Susan and Mark are going to this event with this psychic. Good luck. I hope he connects with whatever, whatever. Uh-huh. Susan and Mark have nothing to do with these pages. But they, these people, the team, uh-huh. start filling out a backstory for the two of them. And they start saying things like, oh, Susan, I hope he can connect with your old dog buddy and uh-huh. stuff like this. And they don't have any... Susan has no idea what they're writing about her. She just knows, okay, they're off and running. Mm-hmm. And when she buys the ticket, she uses the alias. So if you're looking up that alias, you might come across this Facebook page or this group uh-huh. that mentions her and talks about this stuff. So if you're the, the psychic's staff and you stumble upon this, you could start making notes of what are the things they really want to hear. And Susan and Mark, without knowing what's being written about them, go ahead and purchase VIP tickets to a psychic guy, supposed psychic, who's in their area. And his name uh, is Thomas John. And he happens to host, like, you've seen Cash Cab. It's like that, but for psychics. (laughs) So people come into the cab. He's like, I'm going to read you. Yeah. Cab was such a good show. Yeah, this one is not. But Thomas John was coming to their area, so she bought VIP tickets. You could Google if you wanted to, Mm -hmm. but she showed up to this thing and he started throwing at some point because they got VIP tickets. They're in the front rows. He's like, you, let me talk to you. Do you have like a twin? Did you lose your father to this? And he's, he's really unbeknownst to Susan and Mark. He's nailing it. And like they, they actually said you could record the show audio record. So they're recording. So we, so we know what he said. Uh And, uh, our friend, uh, Thomas, uh, um, a holy Kool-Aid on YouTube. Okay. He just posted a documentary, Thomas Westbrook. He posted a documentary kind of where he talked to Susan and Mark after the fact. Uh-huh. And he splices their commentary 
and what Thomas John was saying to them with the exact screenshots of what was posted on Facebook. Because Susan is like, he mentioned at some point that I had a dog. Uh-huh. And they're like, yeah, here's the Facebook thing. And she's like, and at some point they said like, Mark had given up smoking. And they said, yeah, the alias we created for you with that page Isn't actually that said in your past, you quit smoking. It's your anniversary of the day. Like they could link up everything the guy said. With oh the stuff God. that, and Susan and Mark didn't know they were, their job was to say, yes, that sounds right, mm-hmm. and play along with it, unbeknownst. But it was clear to prove the point, he was not reading them. Right. He wasn't getting clues necessarily from them because they didn't know any of the past. Mm-hmm. So the only way you could have known any of this stuff. Is, is by Facebooking it and finding cool. it ahead of time. So anyway, the New York Times article... It's a article, wild thing that you can double blind, though. I know. Very impressive. So the New York Times article goes into kind of how she does her magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this video that I'll post by uh, Thomas Westbrook does a nice job of sharing their story. And like, I was listening to it and I've heard the story now. Uh-huh. And I'm watching it. I'm like, oh my God, when you get to the she's talking and you see the Facebook screenshots, oh. and I'm like, oh. Oh, that is glorious. That's really so, cool. That is, I mean, it's one of those things where it's very hard to just find a way to talk about psychic mediums mm-hmm. in a way that's novel and fresh. And because of the really interesting stuff her group does, mm-hmm. uh, it's in the New York Times Magazine this weekend. Check that's really cool. That's so, a big get for, yeah, for that seriously. kind of skepticism. And it's, yeah, and I haven't seen it, I feel like, in a long time, like since pre-TAM like whenever yeah. they did all that stuff, you you don't see that type of debunking this to many times. No, you times. really. D- I I feel like James Randi was, and I think is. He's just getting older, not as active. Yeah, it is very. She's kind of carrying the torch on this. Stuff yeah, that's and awesome. Doing really that's interesting. Very stuff. very cool. Uh, this is a small thing I wanted to make sure I mentioned. This is I thought really cool. Um, so Richard Dawkins has written, of course, all these books about atheism. I know, I know. Don't look at me like that yet. Um. One of the things he did is there are some... He heard a rumor that a bunch of people in Islamic nations, uh-huh. let's say Iran, for example, found a way to like bootleg the God delusion, <laughs> like PDFs of it. Really? And they were spreading it. And like as an author, it's like, how dare you bootleg my book? But also, I'm glad it's getting in your hands because your government doesn't want you to read any of this. Yeah, and your yeah, religious yeah. readers certainly don't. So... He actually worked with the Center for Inquiry, which is now with the Richard Dawkins Foundation. They merged, right? And they came up with a project. It's called the Translations Project. And they're now offering four books. The God Delusion, The Blind Watchmaker, The Magic of Reality, River Out of Eden. So like a book of essays, Mm -hmm. a science book, a couple science religion books. Mm -hmm. They are offering them in Urdu, Farsi, Indonesian, and Arabic at least they will get to all those translations in time, yeah. free to download, professionally made, uh-huh. and like go, go run yeah, and run read with them. It. Run with wow, it. Wow, good for um, him. Which is, you don't see a lot of authors saying, look, not only did I make my book free of charge, right. but I did it in your native tongue. Right. So that, because I want you to be able to read it. Um, that I think is really cool. And if you're curious about how that works, like, don't you have translators? And like, one of the problems is sometimes these atheist books get translated uh-huh. by somebody in that nation, and then that person becomes a target. This is oh. Dawkins basically saying, we didn't hire someone locally to do this. Uh-huh. Like, we did it ourselves without... And I'm not getting money for this. There's sure. no one you could attack for this. Sure. We're just spreading it. So if you're cool. living in those nations where you speak those languages, go. It's free of charge. It's yours. Spread them. Um, that is a really neat thing to be able to do. And part of it is because 
no one bought the rights to those books in those countries. Oh. So he can do whatever the hell he wants. It's his stuff now. Like, it's not like he owes a publisher. He's getting right. in the way of them. Um, oh, that's I, really cool. It's for really it. cool for any author, I think, to give away copies of his most famous books. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I want to quote this. This is not just a publicity stunt because if you ever read The God Delusion, he writes in the beginning, if this book works as I intend, religious readers who open it will be atheists when they put it down. But then he mocks himself. He's like, yeah, what presumptuous optimism. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, there's no way that's going to happen. But what he said is people who he never expected would have read his book have contacted him and said, I found a bootleg copy and I read it and I'm an atheist. He's like, I should be upset about this, but I'm not. Yeah. And so I like that project. So that's the Center for Inquiry doing that project. Good. Cool. Cool. There's more books, more translations coming. I like that. Very cool. Um, Last time we met, uh, last time we released an episode, the Pope was meeting with the Catholic Church and a lot of cardinals to talk about child sex abuse. Oh, uh, yeah. So have they, have they solved it? Uh, they have not solved it. Not what? only did they not solve it, mm-hmm. the Pope, in his closing speech, didn't even offer any solutions or suggestions for how to move forward. Like, he just left saying, yep, it's still bad. Sure is bad Bye. out there. <laughs> yeah. He's, he actually said, like, there is an, we need to wage, like, this all-out battle against child sex abuse all right, bye. Good luck. Go That's my time. They're giving me the light. <laughs> like, seriously, they left that thing with no... He didn't say, look, if you're credibly accused, if you're accused, mm-hmm. we're pulling you from work. We're not going to transfer you ever. If you're credibly accused, we're not going to police it ourselves. We're going to hand it off to local authorities. If you are credibly accused, you're booted from the church for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to make it easier for people to... We're going to stop arguing over statutes of limitations. We're going to go... He didn't say any of that. Oh, he didn't say that. No, Fuck. that stuff that <laughs> could have been helpful. Oh, no. And he said nothing. Like, absolutely Nothing. Um, there's a website called bishopaccountability.org. They've mm-hmm. been doing a lot of watchdog work of the Catholic Church. They're just like Pope Francis's talk today was a stunning letdown. Cool. As the world's Catholics yeah. cry out for concrete change, the Pope instead provides tepid promises, all of which we've heard before. Cool. Like, how do you have a gathering in the Vatican and say, meh, eh, we, we're going to take a swing at it. We'll, yeah. we'll meet back here in five years, see how we did. Huh? Oh, my God. Ready, break. Congrats. So... United Methodist, Southern Baptist, Catholic Church, all of these huge groups are just shooting themselves in the foot Yeah, when the right thing to do is so glaringly obvious. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like It is a big problem, and it is going to take a lot to change it. it any systemic problem is. But like doing nothing is a pretty bad start, yeah. I would say. I would say doing something it's is... It's quite honestly is, the least you could do. <laughs> And you have taken the route of least resistance. Yeah. Um, I have good news. Yes. Um, In Portland, Oregon, the uh, city council has just approved a measure that um, brings in atheists and agnostics and other non-religious residents um, under the uh, Civil Civil Rights Protection Act. That's awesome. This is a city where they actually said, we have non-discrimination. You know, they usually have race Mm -hmm. and gender maybe sexual orientation in some places. They actually included religion in there. But this is one of those cases, when you say there's religious non-discrimination, it's It's, kind of ambiguous as to how far that goes. Because does religious non-discrimination include atheists? Mm -hmm. Or are we not under that umbrella? Right. And they were basically saying, 
well, we want to make sure it's very explicit that we do mean atheists. So the way they fix that is to say, let's just say religious and atheists and other non-religious. I forgot the exact wording. So what they said is by passing this ordinance, we're sending a message that we value non-believers and affirm that the protection of our civil rights code extends to them. With this declaration, perhaps more non-believers will feel less fearful of being themselves out in the open. Open. Um, and yeah, the the vote amend, specifically the vote amended the definition of religion in Portland City Code to include atheism, agnosticism, and other forms of non-belief. Cool. So smart so, move. They're they're actually the second city in the I country. Was just about to say yeah. that. Nice. Do, do you know what the other one is? Madison. Madison, Wisconsin. So two cities have explicit protections against cool, anti-atheist discrimination. I don't know why the rest don't do it explicitly, but at least again, if they have religious non-discrimination. You would assume in any court of law, if there was discrimination right. against being an atheist, it would count. But it's kind of nice to just have it explicitly. Yeah, it, it does feel good. Um, there is a story in Brazil. So they just elected their own version of Trump. Like, again, uh-huh. this is one of those, dude, we all see this coming. This is going to be bad. And then they voted for the guy anyway. Hire mm-hmm. uh, Bolsonaro, super right wing, as we would call it. Um, and I think the first things he did as soon as he was inaugurated earlier this year is he basically trashed like descendants of slavery and LGBTQ people and indigenous groups in Brazil. Oh. Like, he's already starting to like trash them as in the law cool. as much as possible. This is a very Christian government. But here's the thing that surprised me, and I didn't know this. So in the U.S., let's say this Congress uh, files a bill to do something, and maybe it passes the House but the Senate didn't get around to voting on it for Uh whatever reason, and they have their own Mitch McConnell or something. And then Congress ends their session Uh for the two years, and then the election happens, right? right? That bill's dead. Right. This happens in state governments, too. If it didn't get through the process, Uh and a new government gets, like, sworn in, you start over. Yeah. So you got to get the shit done, like, in your session. Uh In Brazil, they have a different rule. They say that if you file the bill, but it didn't get all the way through, you can resurrect it in a new session of what we would call Congress. Okay. And so they, they, they can de-archive their bills. And the thing is, now that you have this total right-wing government in place, a lot of those old bills are being de-archived. Uh-huh. And some of them, like I'm just reading off a list, like, one of them would push creation, teach creationism in public schools. Mm-hmm. One would require the study of the Bible in primary and secondary schools. One would, get this, one in prison, in prison if you have a sentence of, let's say, a year, if, there, if you are on record as having read a book for 30 days, you get four days off of your sentence. This law would say if you're reading the Bible for 30 days, you get five days off of your sentence. Is okay. that <laughs> Christian supremacy? Cool. There's one that says, uh, yeah, churches are tax exempt. Mm-hmm. But like if you're buying material to build a church, mm-hmm. uh, like the production and import of those goods, the bill says if you're a temple doing that, you don't have to pay taxes on that stuff either because you're building a temple. Yeah. What's a big deal? There's another one that would ban same-sex marriage. Um, and actually, there's one that was introduced by Bolsonaro himself when he was basically a congressman mm-hmm. for their version of it, saying that, hey, in the House chambers, we want to put a giant cross up on the wall 
he wants to resurrect that too. So like all these bills have been like taken out of the ground and they're being brought up again. You get to overcome a lot of those bureaucratic hurdles Mm -hmm. and just kind of pick up where you left off now that you have friendly people in the government and all of this just serves to like promote Christianity. Right. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad the world is learning from (sighs) our mistakes. Yeah, right? Christ. I want to stay in South America. Yes. So this is a heavy bummer of a story. Um, An 11-year-old girl um, was raped by her grandmother's partner, and she became pregnant. She tried to get an abortion. Um, Her mom signed off on on her abortion, but but she lives with her grandmother. So they didn't acknowledge that as enough. Uh, enough of a uh, of an okay, um, so the grandmother approval uh, approved, but that was also inadequate because her legal guardianship was terminated because she was with the alleged rapist. So this eleven year old girl was hung the fuck out to dry because of technicalities. She said, "quote I want this thing the old man put inside me taken out." So she's yeah. an eleven year old girl who's pregnant. Um, and eventually, just they feet were dragged to the point where it, she was past the point where she could get, could get an abortion. Um, and so recently, um, she was forced to deliver the baby via C-section. Um, and she is eleven. Um, so they forced the eleven-year-old to have a baby. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't even know. Uh, so abortion is illegal in Argentina. Um, it does allow the procedure in cases of rape or where the woman's health is in danger. Um, in this past August, the Senate voted against legalizing abortion for the first 14 weeks. Um, Erica Guevara Rosas, the um, America's director at Amnesty International, said, quote, when this 11-year-old rape victim entered the hospital requesting a legal abortion, the authorities' number one duty should have been protecting her life and health. Instead, they put up obstacle after obstacle with the sole aim of denying the girl her rights, and the baby is unlikely to live anyway. Yeah. So, so thanks, pro-lifers. Really? You made the 11-year-old I, suffer. You made the baby suffer unnecessarily. I swear to God, I did the stupid thing and read the comments, and oh. fuck oh. anti-choice people. Like, Dude. fuck them all. Like, literally, someone was like, sounds like a happy ending. A, she, <laughs> a life was saved. She had her baby. And everyone's like... It was just a plain vanilla C-section. Jesus Christ. People are the fucking worst. Ugh. So... Um, I have one more story in the listener mail. What do you I, got left? Let me give you my, this one will infuriate you. Uh, and then we'll go, go to a happy story. <laughs> but there is a Florida lawmaker. We've talked about her before. Her name is uh, Kim Daniels. Oh, she's yeah, a yeah. state rep. She's a Democrat. But she's also like a Democrat in name only. She's ranted against witches. Mm-hmm. She's pushed for in God we trust signs in public schools. Mm-hmm. That was her response to the Parkland shooting. Good. Uh, she Solved thanks it. God for slavery. Because, thanks God, otherwise I wouldn't be here. I was going to say, she's a black Um, woman, isn't she? Uh, She claimed to cure somebody's cancer with a CD of Bible verses that she placed on the person's stomach. Florida, what are you guys doing? Uh, So, Florida woman, uh, they (laughs) open their session, their legislative session next week. She wrote a letter to the, the House Speaker and said, I need permission to not be there the day you open. Because guess where she's going to be instead? Church camp. Close. 
anti-gay camp. She is camp. chatting it up with Pat Robertson on the 700 Club. Really? Uh, the actual letter she sent to the speaker, I have been invited to the 700 Club. I respectfully ask for permission to be excused from session on March 5th, like the day they open session. Cool. So... I mean, That's what she's priorities doing of, are Yeah, forget my constituents. I got to talk to Pat Robertson. I will say if Rachel Maddow invited me on her show, I'd probably ditch work to do that, too. Here's what doesn't make sense, though. This is not a live segment. This oh, is not- a taped segment she could do anytime. Or, or she could do it remotely from her office. There are sure. satellites in Florida, no, from Pat what Robinson I hear. Pat Robertson invites like, you, you got to be there. Yeah, and well, there's a Florida politics writer... Uh, who couldn't figure out, like, what the hell is she doing? Uh-huh. Um, why couldn't she just record this any other time? In a voicemail, Daniel's aide, Juanita Dixon, noted that the lawmaker is, quote, fasting, praying, and seeking the Lord's guidance ahead of the appearance. Oh, sure. Which doesn't answer the question. You can't be distracted from that. And also, you know that about me. Oh, my God. You know that before every podcast, I fast and I pray and yeah. I do, what's the third thing? Uh, who cares? Oh, I do them um, all. That's yeah. why I'm extremely hungry right like, now. And have what, considered eating by skipping cheese. work. She's not brushing up on legislation. She's not meeting with constituents. She's not learning about issues she may have to vote on. Yeah. She's just straight up she's going. Playing hooky. This, she's playing hooky to go chat with the worst people. Wow. And then That'll maybe she'll come back. Like, God, nice damn. job, When's Florida. she up for re-election? Uh, in another two years or something, I think. I don't know. Um, I'm done with my You're stuff. done? Okay, one last story, and then I've got a couple pieces of listener mail. Y'all yes. came out in force when I yeah. <laughs> when I said we weren't getting any emails. Um, so there's a Republican lawmaker from Kansas. His name is um, Ron Highland. He is a Republican. What? Yes, I can't yes, believe right, it. Right. In Kansas? I can't believe mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, apparently there was a... I actually don't have a lot on oh, on the legislation itself... But he removed his name from a piece of highly contentious anti-LGBTQ legislation. Do you know why, Hammond? Because cause he didn't really want to. Because his daughter wrote an open letter to him who is a queer woman. Oh. So this guy, like, are you So it affects him personally, therefore. Me? Yeah, Did okay, he not so know she was queer beforehand? I, I, that like, I don't know. Um. <laughs> She, she, uh, the open letter asked him why he would quote openly attempt at policy that elevates hate and hurts my family or friends. Um, hey, public shaming, it works, it does work. Um, and I think there's two, I, I do think it's another case of people don't care about white men, Republicans <laughs> at all, don't care about anything unless it affects them personally. Yeah. And we've seen this time Abortions and time are bad, again. but oh, my daughter, oh, my needs, daughter yeah. needs an abortion. Or uh, one I thing need an abortion. that I saw on this, here's what I don't know the answer to. This Ron Highland guy, he removed his name as a co-sponsor of whatever that anti-gay bill was. Uh-huh. What I don't know and what I don't think he's answered is, is he going to support the bill moving forward? Oh, is he going to actively fight against the bill? Or is he just like, all right, I know my name was in the headlines for this. I just don't want the headlines to be about me, but I'm still going to vote for it. Because as far as I can tell, he's still anti-gay. So he said, quote, the bill that I should not have signed on to co-sponsor contains some hateful language, which I do not condone. Oh, this is a bill. Okay, I remember this. This is a bill that his colleague wrote like his the other the main sponsor was another republican uh-huh. and he referred to same-sex marriage as quote parody marriage oh we talked about that last 
last week, yeah. I think. And what this guy said, Ron Highland, is, look, the guy just put a stack of bills on my desk and I just signed off on them. Cool. Like, way to do your job. Cool, dude. And he's like, well, I shouldn't have signed that one because it had the hateful language. But again, the Maybe language... Maybe go back and like, double-check what else you signed. Parody, langu- parody marriage was not the biggest problem in that bill. That was right. the headline-grabbing part. But the problem was the, like, the substance itself. And right. what I couldn't figure out is he's like... I don't like the language in the bill. Yeah, but do you yeah. like the idea of the bill? Are and you going to support not, the idea? I don't know. I I, I assume he does. Um, he said that he doesn't condone the language. It's against our Lord's command to love our neighbors. So I've asked for my name to be removed yeah, but from the bill. Process as a sponsor. As yeah, a sponsor. So like, yeah, the public shaming work to remove him as a sponsor. He did not say he's like fighting against the bill and he's in support of LGBTQ rights. Mm -hmm. And like his daughter was praising him for doing like the right thing, but like she's his daughter. I'm not going to knock her for that. Right. But also I think you're giving him a little too much credit because he hasn't really done much. Oh, for sure. All right. Um, Okay. So I've got a couple pieces of listener mail. I have two just sort of explainers. Yes. And one question. So this one is the one that uh, you wanted me to bring last week. Um, about the right about the church. <laughs> Thank <laughs> I'm you. Sorry, Thank <laughs> I'm trying you. to skim through it and find keywords. Um, Jessica and Hemet, my name is Amy, and I've only recently found your podcast. We absolutely love listening to you guys. Thank you. It's Do quite. Do you want to read all of it? Yeah. All right. She's saying nice things about us. Can you all give right. me this? All it's right. not that long. Um, my story is too long to go to in an email, but the short version is that we intend we attend a mega church. We attended a mega church in Tennessee for over 11 years. I worked there full time for seven years um, with the main two pastors inner circle. And I'm sure you know what that means. The pastor who owns the church is closely, closely tied to our new governor. There's so many abuses that go, that go on here too much to put in an email. The church had a school also where abuse is covered up as well. It was a cluster. There are so many people who have left and been shunned over the last 20 years. I'm sure you're surprised. It's truly a cult. I wanted to reach out and say thank you for your podcast. And then she said some nice things. Um, Is that the one you wanted me to to read from last week? I don't remember. Okay. Well, thank thank you, you, Amy. Um, Another one which actually answered a question I had um, about Christian science. So remember, um, we talked last week about Christian science and how it. it's excluded from some, um, yeah, some there are some laws that say if you kill your kids cause you won't take them to the doctor, uh, like that should be considered like that. You should be able to hold the parents responsible for that. But right. Christian scientists get off the hook in yeah. some States. And I questioned why that would be because Christian science is not a huge religion. It's not Catholicism. It's not Methodist. Um, so Stephanie wrote in, she said she actually did a, um, an ethics project on this exact subject. Essentially, she said child abuse has been addressed to some degrees since the 1800s, but in uh, the 1970s, the federal government uh, stepped up its game and funded states if they implemented federal standards that included official reporting for child abuse and neglect, including medical neglect, which is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The Christian science community had already gotten on the radar with some ugly cases and they were re- and reached out to D.C. It just so happens that two Christian science adherents were highly placed in the Nixon administration. Um, yeah, this was news to me. Yeah, I've never heard of this. They made sure that the new law had religious exemptions written into them and state could not access the funds unless they agreed to those exemptions. Federal law soon, soon saw the error of their ways and removed the religious exemption as a retirement, but some states kept it in place and it's protected many Christian science folks um, 
while their children die of curable diseases. Yeah. Which would make sense. Again, why does such a relatively minor yeah. religion have so much weight in the law? And that would that would explain it, where yeah. you have high high level people who are kind of shaping the law in yeah. that sense. Nixon so. really really uh, leaving his mark on uh, <laughs> on the old on the old world. Still doing so. damage decades later. Cool, cool, <laughs> cool work as usual. Um, and then we have a question. I'm actually kind of interested to hear your take yeah. on this because I feel like we're going to approach it from different ways. Yeah. Um, I have a small but annoying issue. I recently bought a news car, used car and it came with an In God We Trust license plate. It's one of the two main options in our state. In our state, once you get the license plate, it doesn't expire. You just put a new sticker tag on every year. Same as Illinois. Mm-hmm. So my options are keep the In God We Trust plate and deal with it. Spend $25 to get a new plate or use a little whiteout and take care of it myself. The plate background is white, so you wouldn't really <laughs> be able to tell. And that's from Tim. I was th- So I was thinking about this after he got that letter. I actually had to look this up. I think taking the whiteout to it defaces it, yeah, even though it's not the numbers, right. but the letters. So I don't know if that's legal. So I'm not yeah, going to say do that. I feel like we shouldn't encourage somebody to. So you to- either have to keep it or buy a new one. Given that I think he said it was $25 in his case. That feels like $25 well spent, right? Yeah, I would. But a trip to DM, DMV is never. Maybe you could do it online. Oh, just yeah. Order. I, had to, I had to buy a replacement plate like a couple months ago. Did you? Yeah. And I just did it Why? online. Because uh, the numbers were like scraping off oh. the back or something. And so. <laughs> You're robbing banks and you didn't. Yeah, I know. And so, uh, but I could just do it online. I didn't have to go anywhere. So maybe that's an option. I was just going to say like. Eh, for that much, I would just replace it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that... Or I was thinking, is there a way... Because uh, I've seen some people say, if you have the frame that says something specific, uh-huh. you can always have your license plate pl- mess with that and you get a funnier message. I'm trying to think of an example. Oh, yeah, that's totally funny. Can't. Like, I love... And then it's like Taco Bell on the frame or uh-huh. something. But in this case, <laughs> when it's... Classic uh, Hammond humor. It's right on the, the license itself. The numbers and letters are set. So you can't really play with the message and yeah. be funny with it. So I don't... I would say, like, I don't even know if I could do anything I do with think that. it would be really funny I if I spent way you... too much time thinking about this. <laughs> I think it would be really funny if, like you just sort of festooned your car with, like, a Darwin fish and, like, <laughs> like a flying spaghetti monster. And like decals of different Right, gods. exactly. <laughs> I think that would be funny. <laughs> but for me, like, if you're in the position to spend 25 bucks, that feels like a good, <laughs> a good $25 to spend, doesn't it? Yeah. I think I would get really annoyed with it if I saw it every day. Yeah, it's it's for you. It's not for everyone else. It really is. Because when it's on the license plate, it's like no one's noticing it because it's default. It's oh, not something you put there. I defo notice when people have weird you do. religious garbage I on would. their... <laughs> but it's one of those like, it's as opposed to a bumper sticker that says it. I have a better idea. Right, yes. Okay. Keep it. Lean into it. Add a, Dar- or add a uh, Jesus mm-hmm. fish and then go undercover Ooh. and see if people treat you. People are like, no, oh, that... It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but it, and, and also, I mean, I'll pay twenty five dollars not to low, interact with anybody. Very low reward, but maybe like, have you, have you ever seen the Bill Murray, not Bill Murray, um, Eddie Murray, uh, white like me sketch? Yes, where he like goes and like he pretends to be a white man, and, yeah. and that's what I'm imagining. <laughs> but like in Christian communities, and maybe like they have secret signals that we don't know about. You realize this is what I did when I did the eBay stunt. Yeah, but nobody thought you were actually, like, 
a member of their thing. That's true. You I weren't like brown. infiltrating. You were brown. I know. White face would have been really inappropriate. <laughs> him, and it would be extremely <laughs> offensive to me. There's a long history of people imitating. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, um, that's my suggestion. Hemet thinks you could get a change. I think that's probably a smarter idea, but updated. mine is much more fun. <laughs> like, go, like, hang out in church parking lots and, like, maybe you get free weed or something. I don't know. Do you want free weed? It's worth a try. <laughs> Let's see where this Do license Christians plate gets smoke you. smoke weed? So much. Oh, my God. That ganj. Um, <laughs> cool. That was stupid. God I'm sorry for that terrible for advice. Happiness. Okay, um, Hemet. Hi, I'm at Hemet Meta. You're at... Th- <laughs> um, you can follow things. me on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Um, email us if you want bad, ad- <laughs> bad advice. <laughs> We're going to get no letters for a month. <laughs> Friendly Atheist Podcast at gmail.com. Um, Go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. Yeah, we're and still... Raising some money and hoping to get a... Uh, transcripts. Transcripts going. you need this advice in um, written form. And, and some I'm, people have requested And that. I'm, I'm going to throw my hand over the fence. I think we should do a meetup this spring. I will work on In that. Chicago. I'm in. A Chicago meetup. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Daddy's coming over with her alligator, so that means oh, it's no. time to go. See you next Bye. week. Bye.